Ready. This is Alex Diagiar. Are you ready to pod? Let's go again. Quiet, please. Ready. Welcome to the pod, everybody. On this episode, we are going to try and break that hookup cycle. See, if you're a gay male, most likely you have a dating app. And that app most likely is Grindr. To help us break that hookup cycle and talk about all this, we have Dr. Greg Pizzi. Now, Dr. Greg, tell me, you're a psychologist, sex therapist, and a relationship coach. Tell me a little bit about your work. I have been working with the gay community uh, and men, uh, women, and couples for over 25 years as a licensed psychologist doing psychotherapy assessments and working in the traditional way that most people think of therapists and psychologists. Once I started to take a look at and see how much I really noticed that uh, our own community of gay brothers and sisters are suffering from loneliness and heartbreak and disappointment and feelings of low self-esteem from the apparent difficulty with creating long-lasting intimate relationships and partnership, I decided that I wanted to do something in which I could reach a a larger range of people. I'm working on a wonderful new program for gay men who are single, who want to work on their chronically single behaviors and learn how to love themselves, attract the kind of men that they really want in their life, and build a serious committed relationship and become properly partnered. So that would be at properlypartnered.com. So for the last couple of years, I have noticed that people go less on dates and it's more about the instant fulfillment, the hookups. When do you think that shift happened and why? Well, I agree with you totally that there was a shift. There has been a shift and there's an ongoing shift. Um, And what I can start by answering that question with for you is that the reason I noticed it was because I was living it. I was a single gay professional guy living in Miami, the magic city, my dream city that I always wanted to live in ever since I grew up in, oh my God, shall I even dare say it, you know, northern New Jersey uh, with a population of 6,000 people. And I was dying to get out and dying to come to the big city. I did New York City, then I came to Miami. But um, I live in a beautiful place. People want to come here for vacation, yet this is my home. I have a wonderful job and profession. I have amazing friends and family that love and support me. I'm an out gay man. I don't think I'm that bad looking. You know, I, I feel like I get guys' attention. Um, I'm decent, you know, I have an education, I'm a decent guy. Um, I know how to talk to people. Um, what is going on? What's wrong with me? Why am I single? Because I was single for many years. And I noticed after suffering for a while and really going into the loneliness and realizing that, wow, this dating situation, this hookup situation of meeting guys and trying to start all over every single time you like someone and connect with somebody. I said, this is absolutely this exhausting and discouraging. And I couldn't understand what it is, uh, what it was about me that was different from all the men and women in the world that I look around and see that they have partners. 
everybody and everybody, it seems, you know, because when you're in that mode, it seems like everybody other than you has it, right? The grass is always greener on the other side. But I just couldn't help but wonder what was wrong with me until I finally was able to take a look inward at myself. And I realized one day I said, Greg, it's you. You're the problem. It's something. And I, I didn't take that as meaning I'm damaged or I'm bad. I know I'm a lovable person. I'm worthy of love. We're all worthy of having someone to love and be loved. But I realized it was my behavior, that the only thing that would change the outcome was me. So I decided to um, take basically the whole year of the pandemic. I was focusing on myself. I was focusing on cleaning up a lot of unhealthy behaviors that I had um, been doing and engaging in and ways of dealing with life that weren't healthy and adaptable. I reconnected myself with me. I started to meditate. I started to focus on self-love and taking better care of myself. And that in turn helped me reinitiate re re my friendships, my connection to my family. And slowly but surely, my life started coming to a place where I was able to think and see clearly, and I was at peace. And I recognized that in order to have a loving relationship, I had to love me. And that's just a perfect example on how whatever energy one gives out, you're going to get back. And, you know, you cheated a little bit because you used the pandemic, which, you know, we couldn't hook up anyway. So that was, if there was any time that we wanted to change our behavior, that was the best time. Well, a lot of things happen during that time. Things always happen. But the pandemic in itself, I think, for humanity was a good thing that was productive and taught us a lot. Now, personally, I lost my mother to COVID. You know, COVID caused a lot of loss. But as with anything in life, nature is about birth, life, death, and renewal. Birth, life, death, and renewal. And as, as long as we as humans take the learning from that and evolve with it, and get better, I think that's the best thing that any of us could do with the pandemic. For those listeners that are not part of the cycle of the hookup, like what are they talking about? Can you explain that to the listener that does not understand? That's a great point. You know, not everybody goes through this uh, hookup cycle, as we call it, or this uh, endless chain of unwanted, undesirable, disappointing, and hurtful encounters that have become almost a necessary rite of passage in the quest for love, closeness, and true intimacy in our society and our culture. So the hookup cycle refers to the non-productive or unyielding uh, process of going through person after person trying to meet as many people as possible in order to almost find the person that is going to be your future life partner in which people get desperate, they get needy, they get cold and they stop, they forget how to be loving and have fun and enjoy the moment. Studies do show that couples, people who are married or in long-term relationships, live longer, have less heart disease, have less other chronic physical illnesses, anxiety, depression, and sleep better than people who are single. 
People want to go and meet that special someone, understandably so. However, um, there's a misunderstanding about what that's supposed to look like. So often people may meet someone that's a great connect, a great match, yet because that person doesn't have or provide them with a certain feeling or expectation or a look or say the right things, people are shooting themselves left and right in the foot and passing up opportunities for true love and connection. And gay guys are always telling me, I can't get past a first date, Greg. I can't get past a hook. Everybody wants to have sex. They get used to the hookup cycle. And then what happens is that they become so, they don't feel anything. Almost numb or on an autopilot, not Correct. really thinking about what they want. And and you're like you said, it's just like, they just go for what's there. Yeah. Or they ask, what's your Instagram? Maybe you don't want to keep your Instagram because you don't want, you know, sometimes there has to be some mystery, I think, to keep it exciting. And now they want every, they want to know everything, everything. So you're top, you're bottom, you're everything at once. And, you know, I mean, I think that's important, actually. <laughs> Well, it is important, Alex, and I, I'm with you 100% on the top or bottom being important. I don't know if you've heard of the term side. Have you heard of the term That's side? It's a couple of months ago, right? Or a year ago, it came out, side. I, my friend and colleague, Joe Court, a therapist in, Mich in Detroit, Michigan, he coined it. He coined that term. That's He made it up, and good for him. It's been adopted and taken on by the gay tell, community. Tell everybody out there what a side is. <laughs> well, a first, first, let's tell them. I don't know. Uh, there's listeners probably don't even know that they're not they're not in this world. Tell them what a top and a bottom. Is. I knew you were going to do this to me, Alex. But you know what? Lucky for me, I am well prepared because Good. I know how your potting goes. Um. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay. So, contrary to popular belief, a bottom is not the one who's passive submissive and has no say about what goes on in the bedroom and the top is not the one who's dominant assertive vocal and controlled so, so you need to tell me that now bad. after all these years now yeah. i've been lied to everybody knows the bottom is the one in control and should always be the one in control okay but that okay so that's, that's for like the experienced people to know this i mean this is we it, it give us the the you know the the commercial version of it. <laughs> I'll give you the Masters and Johnson's version. Here we right. go. In gay sex, the bottom is referred to as the individual who receives the penetrative um, uh, component of sex. So is penetrated, anally penetrated during anal sex. And we refer to the top as the one who actually does the penetration with his penis. And while that is a very common, natural, and widely enjoyed part of sex between gay men, topping, bottoming, we also enjoy things like kissing, hugging, touching, cuddling, kissing, all kinds of foreplay. And sides are, which is the new term that we're referring to, being a side refers to guys who enjoy physical touch and intimacy, but are not fans of the penetrative type. They do the foreplay, they do everything except the penetration. Oral sex, for example, is common among sides, but they're just not into the anal part of it, either receiving or... or now, now, do you believe if someone has sex, it has to be penetration or sex could be everything else? 
No, no. Um, sex does not necessarily have to include penetration, although very traditionally, very culturally, it's a very um, it's a very uh, cultural uh, thing, old school type of language to say that if um, like los Latino, like si no hay penetración, no pasó nada. Uh-huh. You know, it's like you don't have to have somebody screwing somebody in order to say you had sex. Sex to me involves any behavior that or activity that you share with a person that is sexually stimulating and enjoyable. It could be anything. And for some people, it could actually be sitting and talking. You know, I don't think that sex or just making out. I think there has to be a little bit more to it. Does it have to be penetration? But there has to be in the in between a little bit more to it, right? Well, believe it or not, women, many women can have an orgasm without being touched physically at all. I think some guys can as well. If we want to get really, really technical, um, a person can be convict, accused and convicted of a sexual crime without any genital touching or penetration. Really? A sex offender can be convicted of a sex offender crime without there ever being any genital uh, contact. Um, Would that person need to be alone in a room with that person for it to happen? No. Look at what happens with um, uh, texting, sexual predators that are texting Oh, that's different. I mean, predators, underage people, it's, that's a whole... I, I, well, I'm taking a very very broad general definition of sex. And yeah. and I think I, I have to do that as a psychologist so I can be inclusive of what people find sexually interesting and, you know, for them. But, I mean, yeah, most people do want, you know, there's got to be something going on down there. And that's part of why we get married and look for partners so that we can be together physically and make things happen like that all right so let's let's get let's come back to to our original question so i think the shift happened unfortunately uh the big shift happened when grinder came out what do you think about that okay tell me about tell me more about that because i have a different definition or experience of grinder than a lot of people do because I met my husband on Grinder. Yeah. I met three or four of my best friends in life on Grinder. And I have been active on Grinder for years and almost cannot give you any negative experiences from it. I say the same thing, but I'm seeing I'm, I'm I say the same thing. I mean, there's there's good. It depends on the person. I think it depends on the person and how they're using it. People have to communicate too. And people, a lot of guys do not know how to communicate. For example, you get together with a guy that you're attracted to online, you meet up, okay, fine. Everything's fine so far, you have a good time. And then at some point in there, they say or do something that just worries you or upsets you or something. But for the most part, it's been good. People don't know how to say, hey, I don't like that. or hey, could we try something different? Or instead of saying, hey, you know what? I think maybe we should just be friends. I'd rather not see you again. They ghost each other. They they block them on Grindr, then they block them on text. And that's what people do. Either they're all in or they're all out and blocked and there's no conversation happening. No no dynamic of, 
of being able to create something together. That's so important. As, as you know, you're a communicator, you're an artist, you're a creator. You know that you create your experience, right? You don't go around waiting for someone to just give you an experience. It's on you. That so many people repeat themselves. They're, they're, they're in this constant Groundhog's Day of the same type of relationships, the same type of situations, the same. And, and it, it's it's amazing how they don't, it, they just don't get it. That's what why I call it a cycle. It's yeah. it, to break the cycle because they don't see what they're doing that is self-perpetuating that, that unsatisfying cycle. What do you think people need to do to break that cycle? Uh, as you're asking me this, it reminds me of an example of a, of a patient that I had in therapy that I think will illustrate a little bit about, you know, the problem and what might, what we can do about it. Well, this gentleman was a, again, attractive, successful, I mean, attractive, overall, successful, friendly, a healthy guy with a decent job, came from a decent family, had his own home, own car. And he was telling me about that he had been to the beach and told me about his day at the beach and that there had been a guy there that he thought was attractive. And he told me that the guy was on his towel and my patient was on his towel and he was kind of making eyes at him, you know, the cruising thing going on of the looking and the kind of smiling, if sometimes they're smiling, but the looking back and forth. And he said that it was going on for a while. And then, you know, and then afterward, you know, that was it. And when I realized that that was it, I said to him, well, okay, so what happened? You know, he was looking at you, you were looking at him. I said, what happened? He goes, oh, nothing. I'm like, what, what do you mean? He said, no, I went home. It was getting dark and I went home and he left and I went, I said, oh, but didn't you tell me you liked the guy? He said, oh yeah, I really thought he was a try. I was interested in him. I said, well, how, why didn't you go up to him and, and say hi? And his answer to me was exactly this. He said, I didn't know that I could. And it hit me at that point. And that's part of what's, you know, catapulted me into this kind of work is that I think gay men are completely lost in many ways. And unaware and unsure and unsupported in how to establish a connection with another man that is sexual slash romantic. We don't grow up as gay men with role models or older brothers, usually, or uncles or family members that teach us or talk to us about, hey, is there any many interesting boys you've met lately? Or, you know, why don't you bring your little boyfriend over to the family barbecue and you two sit together at your own little table and you guys will talk while the rest of us do our family stuff. You know, I, I think that that's part of it. Although nowadays it's not as much of a reason as it was before when everybody had to be in the closet. People forget and don't realize that I need to put my soul into this. I need to be me. I need to be funny. I need to just laugh at things when they happen. And it, instead, it becomes almost this anxiety-ridden situation where people are just trying to be liked and trying to say the right things and do the right things. And I think people are just really lost and need our guidance. So what do you think about open relationships? It's not easy to be monogamous 
or to have an open relationship. They all take work and planning. And I hate the term open relationships because they're completely misleading. A lot of people, you know, take it to mean one thing. A lot of people take it to mean another. It almost sounds like a free for all when we say open relationship. Yeah. There shouldn't be anything open about it because if you and your partner have a private discussion together, about your needs and your desires and you're at a point where the two of you feel secure enough in what you've got and you trust each other and you believe that you can have fun without it um having to necessarily mean that you don't love your partner and you guys have that ability to create that possibility there has to be a lot of communication there's got to be trust and you have to be honest with another with another and share it openly and honestly. So I don't like to call it an open relationship because every relationship is different. It's sacred and it's special. Yet, um, you know, uh, so what do you call it? It's very I, I don't give it a name. I won't give it any. Name. You have to find the name like your friend found side. So now you have to beat him to it. You have to you have to get up there with him in the ranks. You got to find a name for us. How about this? How about an understanding relationship, a compassionate relationship, a... Well, that's every, even if it's monogamous, it should be like, like that, right? Well, I don't think that we have the right to control our partners and what they do. It's their life. That is correct. To have, uh, and now I'm going to have to say, because you have to find the term, sorry, to have an open relationship. Are you on this for the next episode? Yeah, we could we could talk about this, but just to finish my, what I was going to say, to have <laughs> I think I think to have an open relationship, you have to be secure enough, uh, have unconditional love for your partner, and be madly in love not just not just the love you feel at the beginning, but you know have that unconditional love and and know who you have next to you, and and I think that could lead to a healthy open relationship and I... communication. Talk about everything. Oh, absolutely. Because the best part and the most important part for me of being able to do things sexually with your partner or without your partner that involve other people is to share that with your partner and talk about it and both enjoy the experience. What would you say is the number one thing the person to get on the path to break the cycle? What would it be the number one thing they need to realize or do? Okay, and what what does a person need to realize or do in order to break the cycle? Well, first, what do they need to realize? And then what's the first step? Great question. Wonderful. The first thing a person needs to realize in order to get out of this endless cycle is to recognize that they are contributing to the problem, that there is something that they are doing. In other words, it's not the fault of the gay community. You are impacting the result you're getting that's the one recognition that has to occur and once you and by being on a different frequency that means that you need to now that you know it's something you're doing you have to identify okay what is it what is it that i'm repeating what is it that i'm doing what you of course without realizing it, it's almost always unconscious and unintentional what am i saying what am i doing how am i reacting what am i involved in how am i um, creating a situation where the I keep meeting the same kind of guy or I keep meeting 
guys that are married, or I keep only meeting guys that just want to hook up in the moment. Oh, well, maybe it's the fact that every time you meet someone you like, you invite them over and immediately have a hookup. You don't need to delete the grinder. They don't need to stop meeting guys. Although I do recommend to some people that they take a break from it because they're so disconnected from themselves that they really just need to just learn how to love yourself first. That's the answer to your question about what else has to happen. The person, we need to love ourselves. We need to value ourselves and realize and understand what we have to offer a potential partner. It's not just about trying to find um, a guy that we like so that they'll like us and that we need to have a perfect body or we need to work out or we need to look a certain way because a lot of guys get lost in that and think that that's what guys want, but that's not what most of us guys want we want someone that's imperfect that is willing to make mistakes and admit them commit to working and talking things through and be available and just work day to day on becoming a better person and a better couple very well said dr greg now dr greg i'm gonna ask you a question what would be the top five red flags on a date Oh, God, I don't know if I should reveal this in this episode. Then you might not ever invite me back. Okay, well, God, there's so many, but I would immediately be freaked out if the first, uh, oh, God, um, they don't ask you anything about yourself. They are spending more time responding to the alerts on their phone and the incoming messages on their phone than you. The person asks you if you're a side, top, or a bottom, or other. We're human beings. We're men. We're not sex machines. I think that when we, although we may or may not have a preference of one or the other, some people are equally across the board or enjoy everything, but while we may have a preference when you're in love with somebody and you have somebody in front of you that you want to please, um, I think that we're capable of doing lots of things to please the person. So why cut yourself off? And basically when you tell somebody your top or your bottom, you're basically saying to that person, like when someone says, oh, I just want you to know I'm 100% bottom. Basically, to me, that sounds like what you're saying is, just so you know, for the future, I'm never going to please you if you want uh, to be the bottom. Just, just letting you know right now, forget about it. I'm not going to do it. I mean, who wants to hear that? If the person is inviting you to have sex the same day. I think it goes with the energy of the night and the moment. You should have sex on the first night if it feels right. It doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel that that's what we have to do. It just feels right with the chemistry, with the person, with the mood, right? You can do that and I can do that. But most people cannot. That's why I call it a red flag. In other words, Red flags are just red flags. That doesn't mean don't pass the red flag. We can decide to go past the red flag, right? But I do need to put it as a red flag because unfortunately in our culture, for most people, the instant sex makes one or both devalue something about the connection. It's unfortunate. I don't agree with it, but it's what happens. So 
I'm putting it out there as a public service. It could also it could also have a bad effect if the person says no, and then that could probably devalue the whole night. Ooh, it'll devalue the whole night, but it'll value the rest of your life because you will know that that person's not into you for you. Ah, that's a very good response, Dr. Greg. Number five would be for me that um, they don't express an interest in seeing you again. Like, I would like to hear some feedback or at least some affirmation of how the person felt about it or enjoyed it. That to me is an part, important part of the loop. That's yeah. all. That's a more personal one though. But as we said, everything is very, very dependent on the dynamic between the two people. There's no hard set rules. And that's what makes it hard for people. They have to kind of, you got to use your gut with this stuff. All right. So now to wrap it up, Dr. Greg, to all those guys out there that are stuck in this hookup cycle and feel like, you know, they feel empty inside. They feel like there's no hope. What would you, what would you like to say to them? What message do you have for them? We all deserve to love and be loved. Um, it's a matter of choice as to the kind of life that we have. We all have the ability to choose for ourselves. And we can all learn how to think positively and view the beautiful things that we have in life. Be grateful, be humble, look around us, look at how much we have going on for us and start to really stand up and take responsibility for ourselves and the choices we make because that's what decides our ultimate experience. Our life, when we look around us, is a direct photocopy of what our thoughts and our feelings have been for as long as we've been around. We create that through the law of attraction and through the unconscious messages we send out to ourselves and others. All right. So for those who want to connect with Dr. Greg Pizzi, all you have to do is check out our show notes where I have a link to his website. Dr. Greg, thanks for being on the show. And uh, one more thing. Don't fall, fall off, off the, the pod. pod. Listen up, potheads. I want to know what you thought about today's episode. Be part of the conversation. Go to podwithme.com, look for the episode, and place your comments. Also, if you want to tell your story on Pod With Me, go to the Contact Us section and let us know. Remember, you can listen to the pod here or on any other streaming devices that play podcasts. Oh, and if you cannot get enough of the pod, you can download the Pod With Me app, available at all app stores. This is Alex J. Aguiar, and remember, don't fall off the pod. Ready. 